Welcome to the Gainesville Vineyard Podcast, featuring sermons given at our church and community center located in the Lincoln Estates neighborhood in Gainesville, Florida. If you find these messages beneficial, if you're part of our community, or if you want to help support the services we're providing to Southeast Gainesville, you can text the word GIVE to 352-562-7771 to make tax-deductible donations. Here's this week's message. I'm going to move into the teaching time today. I'm going to do something different here too. This won't be a recurring thing, but you ever watch those old sitcoms where they have a flashback episode? We're going to do a bit of flashback episode this morning because I really felt um, nudged by the Holy Spirit to start a new series uh, leading up to election and to Advent. You know, the last Sunday before Advent for those who follow the liturgical calendar. Uh, more closely than we usually do is Christ the King Sunday, and there's a there's a tradition uh, that started with Methodists about a hundred years ago to celebrate the the month or so leading up to that as as focus on the kingdom of God, which of course for us Vineyard folks is always a, a focus, the kingdom of God. And I was on a Zoom call uh, just the other day, a couple days ago, with several Vineyard pastors, and one of them shared that, that for the last several years they have done that. They have focused on the kingdom of God in September and October leading up to Advent. And as that person, as that pastor shared that with me, it just really smote my heart. And I was like, oh, we need to do that. And of course, the election is coming up and everything is crazy in the political world. Everything is crazy all over uh, socially and culturally. And I know you're feeling that and I'm feeling that too with all of the protests and with COVID and with all of the election stuff that's going on. So I think it's a good time. I think it's something the Spirit is leading us into to focus on the kingdom of God. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, well, I haven't like preached directly on the kingdom of God. We haven't done really a, a thematic thing much. We did a series on prayer last year, but I went back and I was like, what what have I preached on? What have been our focuses, uh, our folks, uh, I should say, uh, since Amy and I came here to Gainesville Vineyard? And it kind of took me back into the, into the archive. And there have been a couple of sermons in particular that I wanted to share with you um, snippets from. One was on Romans 13, and one was on Revelation 13, the political beast. Some of you will remember those. And those two sermons in particular were very much focused on the kingdom of God as opposed to the kingdoms of this world. So I'm going to start formally next week preaching on the kingdom of God. And we'll probably go through the Sermon on the Mount with that. I'm still working out the details of that. God gave me this direction late in the week to start a new sermon series. Uh, that's not why I'm doing this. But as I was reflecting on this, I was like, man, I really want to share that. And I started to like, well, I could just pull those notes out and re-say those things. And I'm like, well, I could just use technology and share the audio with everyone. So we're going to do that. The other thing that hit me as I was going all the way back, I went all the way back. Uh, the first time I preached to Gainesville Vineyard was on May 18th, 2017. That was our tryout Sunday. And what struck me as I went over those notes was that I encouraged you. Know, the sermon was like, you know, don't worry about what you're going to say. I talked about how nervous I was, like trying out uh, how weird that was. And, uh, and the, you know, how Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to say. The Spirit will give you what to say. And in that sermon, I encouraged you, I wasn't even your pastor yet, I encouraged you to practice telling your Jesus stories. The same thing I told you last week. And I was so encouraged this past week to see some of those stories and to hear some of those stories from y'all. So keep doing that. Keep practicing your Jesus story because that's 
integral to what it means to live in the kingdom of God, to be participating in the kingdom of God. And so this first segment I want to play to you from Romans 13 is all about that, about us remembering what story we're in and not getting distracted by what story we're not in. So here's a bit from Romans 13. But you can also just look at this text, this passage, within the context of Paul's entire letter to the Romans and the overall story of Jesus that we're a part of. All through Romans, he's talking about questioning authority. He's talking about setting aside differences. He's talking specifically in chapter 12 about dealing with the enemy. That was the topic of chapter 12, how to deal with the enemy. And then in this transition verse, chapter 12, verse 21, he says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And then he pivots in chapter 13 and talks about worldly rulers. What he's saying is that, guess what? The worldly rulers are our enemies, and they are evil. And here's how you deal with them. Here's how you deal with enemies. Don't conquer evil by evil. And let's talk about the rulers, because guess who's evil? The rulers. That's the flow of Paul's argument in this text. And that kind of makes sense for a guy who was executed by Nero, who is serving a guy who was executed by Pilate. So if you read these texts as a legitimation of worldly power, you're missing the entire story of the New Testament because Jesus was put to death as a political opponent and Paul was put to death as a political opponent. These guys are not our friends. These guys are not our friends. And the politics that they practice are not the politics that we practice. We have a different project at work. So Paul is calling the actions of governments. He's not calling them morally good. He's not saying you have to submit to them because they've got it figured out and they're the way to the kingdom. That's not what he's saying at all. In fact, to go the other direction, a more consistent reading of Romans, Karl Barth says, quote, may foster a contempt for the present order and an attitude of negation towards it. We can be tempted by reading Romans to revolution. We can be tempted to a liberation theology, and there's a lot to be said for those arguments. But what Paul actually offers here is both a denial of legitimizing the powers that be and a denial of revolting against the powers that be. We can't legitimize them. We can't serve them. We can't play ball by their rules and bring in the kingdom. We also can't revolt against them and bring in the kingdom by revolution. Because revolution seeks to use the tools of the enemy to defeat the enemy. But that doesn't work. Evil cannot defeat evil. Hate cannot drive out hate, right? You've heard that? Dr. King said that? Yeah, he's getting that from Paul, who's getting that from Jesus. And we should know this. We should know this. We should know that we can't operate in worldly power like this. Because what did the devil tempt Jesus with? Right. He offered him all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus said, no. So how can we be his followers if we turn around and fall to the temptation that Jesus said no to? The temptations that Jesus said no to are the temptations that we're tempted with. And we have to say no to them as well, except we often don't. So we can't revolt because we're just replacing one tyranny with another tyranny. We're just replacing one form of violence with another form of violence. And remember what we talked about way back in Romans 7, because this still applies. Remember when Paul said, I don't do the things I want to do, I do the things I don't want to do. The things I want to do, I can't do. The things I don't want to do, I wind up doing. Right? That, that 
we talked about that back then is like, that's so true. We've all experienced that, right? Like, I want to do good. I want to do right. I want to read my Bible. I want to pray every day. I want to be kind with my children. And what do I do? I sleep in because I was up too late. I yell at my kids because I'm cranky and having any coffee and I'm hangry and all that, right? So we, we talk about this on the personal level, how we've all been there. And Paul really speaks to that, right? Yeah, well, what's true on the personal level is also true on the social level. It's also true on the political level, perhaps even more so, that we don't do what we want to do. The things we wind up doing are the judgment upon what we said we were going to do. And anytime we operate with the tools of empire, anytime we try to bring in the kingdom by means of violence, we don't wind up doing what we want to do. We wind up doing the very thing that we don't want to do. So revolution stands on the side of the world. It stands on the side of the existing order. It's still operating in those same modes of power that Jesus said the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, was going to come to show us were condemned. We can't operate in those forms of power anymore. And specifically, we're in this moment, and I'm just going to say this, we're in this moment where some American Christians have gone through a lot of work over the last 20, 30 years to seize political power. And that has itself become a demonic principality. Any effort of that means, any violence, any coercion, any manipulation, any attempt to participate in the powers that be is just more work in the economy of the principalities and the powers, serving only the political beasts and the religious beasts that are going to be thrown into the lake of fire because they're condemned. We're not called to any of that. We are called to a different work altogether. A work that puts sword wielders out of their reckoning. That's why Paul says, if you do what's good, you don't have to worry about them. Bart says it like this, where good is done, rulers have no power. Where good is done, rulers have no power. So what Paul calls us to is not to capitulation to the powers and not to taking up our sword and fighting alongside or against the powers. He calls us to submission or subjection, if you have an older translation. And what submission means is living in a specific way, living in a radical, subversive, Jesus-shaped way, living as exiles, living as resident aliens, as citizens of the kingdom of God that is coming but is not fully here yet. That's who we are and that's what we do. We go about doing the good that God gives us to do, obeying what we're told to do, looking for what the Father's doing and participating in that. And if we do that, we have done all the subversiveness, all the radicality you can imagine, and all of that puts the powers on their head. They don't know what to do with it. They have no reckoning for it. They have no answer for it. And that's what submission means. It doesn't mean that we're just like, well, whatever the government says is fine. If they want to lock children in cages, I guess that's what God told them to do. That's not what it means. What's also interesting is I preached that out of Romans 13, uh, two years almost to the day from my tryout sermon. So the tryout was on May 18th, 2017. That segment you just heard was from May 19th. 2019. So two years and a day later, um, we got that sermon. Now I want to back up a little bit further because before we did the Roman series, we did a series on Revelation. 
And at the heart of that series, we talked about how the baby beats the dragon every time. And we talked about these two beasts that serve the dragon, the political beast and the religious beast. And it was two years ago, almost to the day now, it was September 9th, 2018, when I shared this about the political beast in Revelations 13. Give this a listen. The way political power works is we create an enemy and we objectify that enemy and we abstract that enemy. We don't have engagement with that enemy. We don't love that enemy for sure. And what happens too often is the church buys into the system. And the church creates enemies, right? That's why I try really hard not to talk about what we're against. Because if all you talk about is what you're against, then you're operating in this politics of the world. And it becomes an empty politics. It's empty at its core. This is what David Fitch says. When it's empty at its core, it's running on the fuel of those antagonisms. It has given up being a politic of the church. It has given up being a politic of Christ's presence. And that's how the world politics always works. Jacques Ellul describes it this way, that reality is a contest of wills. There's the will of the Lord, who wills for the kingdom of God to come and to preserve and to save the world. And there's the will of the world. And it's always a will to destruction. It's always a will to death. It's always a will to suicide. Fun times. These two wills are always at war with each other. We're trapped in that. And what Alul says is that despite all of our efforts, despite all of our piety, we participate in the world's sin. We are trapped within this structural logic of violence. We are dependent on it in many ways. We're also dependent on the Holy Spirit for direction on how to participate, on how to bring in the kingdom of God, on what the will of the Lord is, on how to resist the will of the world, how to, how to engage in this contest of wills. But we're always caught up in the sin of the world on our own. Do you know that? Like We participate. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? It's over there. Do you have a phone? Hold up your cell phone. People suffered and died to make that thing in your hand. Do you know that? Suffered and died to make that thing in your hand. And we all have one. We have participated in the world's sin. Come on, it's okay. Go ahead. So what does a political power do? First of all, it survives. You can't kill it. Even if you shoot it in the head, it comes right back. It morphs and it doesn't change anything. It also, Revelation tells us, decides who's going to be in captivity and who is not. Who's going to be in prison? Who's going to be free? Who's going to be suffer under poverty? Who's going to be rewarded? It also brings death. Violence is how politics operates. Someone always has to bear the brunt of the structural violence. Revelation also says that this politics, this spiritual force, this beast in service to the dragon, wages war on the church and conquers the church conquers us materially through persecution and conquers us spiritually because we're inclined to worship the beast. We're as inclined as anyone else to worship the beast. Your translation might say adore. That's a really good translation. We're inclined to adore politics. We're inclined to pledge allegiance to political power. Political power is always in competition with God, is what John is telling us. It blasphemes God. It attacks God. And this is nowhere more true than when that political power claims to be Christian. 
This is how political power operates. And we are always in danger of giving into it. Power is given to this sea beast. Power is given to political power by the dragon. The power of the state, the power of the market, the power of the world doesn't come from natural order. It doesn't come from sociological order. You might say, well, you know, humans get together. They tend to, like, you know, organize themselves into tribes and have a government. That's not where the power comes from. The power comes from the dragon. This is the message of Revelation. And who is the dragon? He's the destroyer. Yeah, he's Satan. He's the destroyer. He's the agent of chaos. And so we think of government like, you know, if you think of like whatever your best expression of government is, it's like well-organized and well-regulated and limited and controlled. It's always servicing chaos. It's built upon chaos. The more the state order reigns, the more disorder of the dragon prevails. Right? That's why in a failed state, a totalitarian regime will arise because somebody's got to bring order out of this mess. Well, who made the mess? Well, the people who want to be the totalitarian regime made the mess. Oops. That's why as our politics falls apart, you'll see the same thing going on in this country. Chaos is where the power comes from. This is what Revelation says anyway. And precisely because it's a spiritual power, people feel it deeply, and they tend to worship it. Anybody ever have a Ford Pinto? You, sur you survived. You survived having a Pinto. So, so they, had this, they had this period. Yours may not have been part of this. Back in the, the mid-70s, I forget the exact dates, there was a period of like three years where they had this specific problem with the Pinto. The gas tank would explode and catch on fire. Minor problem. So, and Ford knew about it early on. Well, I mean, you know, they started seeing, hey, look, a number of Pintos have exploded and caught fire. We're detecting a trend. So there were conversations within Ford corporate you know, board meetings and whatnot discussing how much is it going to cost to do a recall and fix all these Pintos. They sold a lot of Pintos. Versus how many people are going to die if we don't do anything. And they were having this conversation between how many people are we willing to kill before it's too many people versus too much money. And eventually the federal government stepped in and said, we'll answer that for you, <laughs> which is part of what government does that's a good thing. But what I want to tell you is that conversation, how many people are we okay killing, happens every day in corporations all over the country and all over the world. It's called risk management. It's called risk management. Exactly. Our phones, how many, you know, you know, let's, let's try to minimize the worker deaths at our, at our plant. This pesticide, how many people is it going to kill? Look, it might hurt some people, but it also might do some really good. So weighing out, how many people are we okay with dying as a result of what we're doing? This is structural violence. This is what the world does all the time, every day. So sometimes it's really good, like getting housing for granny. Sometimes it's really bad, like Ford blowing people up. And most of the time, it's some combination of good and bad. And we're caught up in the structure of it as much as anyone. We can't escape from it. We can't give in to it. 
and we can't fight against it with its own tools. And this is what John the Revelator is trying to tell us. This is what he wants us to pay attention to, that this is what the world does. And it does it because it's driven by a specific, personal, conscious, spiritual force. And it's evil, and it's in opposition to God. So our only effective response is, one, to be aware that that's going on. To be aware that that's a reality. And then to be a community, to the extent we can, whose structure is a politics of unconditional love. Now, that ain't easy. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not easy to love you all the time. (laughs) And as you watch the the political machinations of our day, you might be on one side or you might be on the other side you might be saying, as funny as that just was, it's really hard to love someone else on the other side of that. It's really hard to love someone who wants to impeach Trump. Or it's really hard to love someone who's wearing a MAGA hat. Like, how could you even think like that? Don't raise your hand. But if I asked you to, most of you would raise your hand and say that in the last week, you have thought to yourself, how can anyone think like that? And some of you will be raising your hand for the opposite reason that other people are raising their hand. The reason people can think like all of this is because of this. It's because we are caught up in it, and we are prone to it, and we will worship it as much as anyone. And we're people who believe in Jesus. So sometimes we can participate freely with what the world is doing. Sometimes we can just show up and participate like we're on board, this is good, let's do it. Let's take care of homeless people, let's feed hungry people. This is so close to in line with the kingdom of God, I can just jump in and help. Other times, we have to resist, nonviolently and prophetically. This is part of why John wants us to pay attention, because the reason you go into captivity is because you open your mouth and you say things they don't like. Because you show up and you protest. And you say, this isn't right, you can't do this. You're hurting people. This is hurting people. This is too much. And they will say, don't protest now, protest some other time. Don't protest this, protest something else. Don't protest this way, protest that way. And eventually you get arrested. Or worse, is what John is saying. Sometimes we have to disengage. Sometimes they have to say, look, I can't participate in that. That's harmful. I love you. I love the heart of what you're thinking about doing, but your approach to it is destructive. Your approach to it is too harmful, and I can't go there with you. And this is something we have to evaluate for our own church. Like the things we're doing, are we causing violence in what we're doing? Hopefully not. As we participate with other organizations, with other ministries, There'll be lots of opportunities for that. We have to ask, are you doing violence to people? Can we participate with you? Or do we have to say, we can't? And we'll have to have those conversations. And we have to know enough about their business to have those conversations. So sometimes we can participate. Sometimes we have to protest. And sometimes we have to just walk away. And in all that, we have to rigorously work toward loving each person unconditionally and doing everything we can in every venue, every opportunity we have 
all the while remaining deeply suspicious of all structures. My hope for you, my hope for this congregation is that we're people suspicious of systems. We're people suspicious of institutions. We're people suspicious of structures. Even our own, especially church ones, even the ones we build, all systems, all structures, all institutions are prone to violence. They're always complicated by sin. And the bigger and the more successful they get, the more they turn to protect, the the more the institution will turn to protect itself, and that's when it gets really ugly. And that's when we have to say, nope, no to that. I love you, person, but no to your system. Does that make sense? So that's the politics that we are. We're politics of unconditional love. We're politics of building a community where we are well aware of our sin. We're well aware of our proclivity to worship the beast, to worship the dragon. But there's good news. What's the good news? The baby beats the dragon every time. Amen. All right. I hope you found that edifying to listen to again, or maybe for the first time. Let's take communion. And for communion today, I want us to say the same things I said, uh, we said together uh, two years ago at the end of that Revelation 13 sermon. We took our bread, I've got a bit of gluten-free bread here this morning, and we held it up. So grab whatever it is you have to eat. I haven't told you that before now, so I'll give you a second. Grab something at hand to eat, something edible, and, and grab it and let's take it together. And this becomes the body of Christ as we share it together. And what we said two years ago, we were still in phase one and half of you had to walk back to the water fountains to receive communion and half of you had to come to the stage in the front door area to receive communion. And what you uh, were told by the people that were serving you the bread as you took the bread was Jesus's body is our politics. So let's say that again, as we said two years ago, almost to the day, as we take his body, Jesus's body is our politics. And as you lift up something to drink, this becomes the blood of Jesus. As we, brothers and sisters, in Christ, the priesthood of all believers, we consecrate this together as the blood of Jesus. What we said two years ago as we drank the cup together was... Jesus is, well, we dipped back then, right? We didn't all drink from the same cup. We did the whole dipping thing. We don't have to do that right now. You can drink out of your own cup. That's kind of nice. As you drink out of the cup, what we're going to say is, Jesus' blood is our power. We don't engage in power the way the world engages in power. All of that has been condemned. I'm not going to re-preach the sermons that I just shared with you. But Jesus' blood is our power. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are leading us into a different story. That you are leading us into a different politics. That you are bringing about a new way of life, a new kingdom. The old ways are fading away. That the way the world has done and continues to do power is condemned. And you are showing all of humanity a new way, 
a new way of life together, a new form of power, a new mode of power. And it looks like foolishness and powerlessness to the world, but we know that it is the only true form of power because it is the power of your body and the power of your blood. And you're showing that to the world through us, through your body, through your sons and your daughters, through your brothers and your sisters. You have brought us into relationship with the Father and you are telling us our story, our new story with our new names as citizens of your kingdom. And I pray that as we continue to interact with the world that we are not removed from, that we would do so as citizens of your kingdom, that we would not get distracted by the political beast, that we would not misunderstand the story that we're in, that we would engage meaningfully and truthfully and do all that we can to care for all the people made in your image to live out this kingdom life. Help us to understand it with our minds and with our hearts. Help us to understand it with our hands and our feet. I thank you for all of my sisters and brothers who are taking this in, either by video or audio this morning or whenever. Let your blessings be upon them and upon us. And we pray as always, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. As it is in heaven, so let it be here on earth. Amen. I love you guys. Hope you're doing well. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Gainesville Vineyard Podcast. For more information about our church and community center, including our food pantry, life skills training, legal aid, after school and sports programs and international missions and how to contact us visit gainesvillevineyard.org or find us on facebook our page name is gn vineyard we also have original worship songs available on itunes just search for gainesville vineyard you can support the work we're doing by texting the word give to 352-562-7771 all donations are tax deductible We appreciate you listening to this message and pray the Spirit speaks directly to you through something you've heard today. God bless.